Well, special thanks to Barbara for that encouragement. Uh, and as we think about what it is to be church with one another, I think that theme of encouragement is so important, isn't it? We want to be a church that encourage one another. And just as Barbara was saying, to encourage one another the same way family encourages one another. And the same way God encourages us. This morning, our sermon uh, is continuing on from the last few weeks as we're moving through 1 Timothy. And, and actually, I'd like to say that this is an encouragement to us. And it doesn't immediately read as an encouragement in 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 to 15. But let me encourage you, church, to leave as we hear this message, to reflect on the truth that we're hearing, and to really question in our own hearts, in our own lives, what does it mean? What does it mean for us to share our testimony? And, uh, you know, without really knowing what Barbara was going to say this morning, talking about a bit of a testimony there, seeing other people in the workplace saying things, it going well, it not going well, but the way we choose to speak into somebody else's life by sharing our testimony, what we know about who God is. Really, I think that's what this passage is talking about for us this morning. So for those of you who like a sermon title, here is one. Paul's testimony to God's good grace. And uh, for those of you tuning in online, uh, it's great to have you with us. I know Ainsford have just joined us as well. And so, good morning to those of you in Ainsford. Wouldn't it be cool if this was a two-way thing, so they wouldn't just hear me saying hello, but we can all say hello, and they can say hello back to me, and we'll work out ways to that one day. And it'll be like an extension of one room. But uh, if you're familiar with this, letter, and uh, I always feel a little awkward reading somebody else's mail. We're hearing this letter to, to Timothy, and in this letter, actually, some real truths are about to be spoken. I feel like we're getting the inside track on some stuff today. So let me read this passage for us, and if you want to read along, I think I've probably given you long enough to find 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, but there we go, I've repeated it one more time, 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and insolent opponent, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Perhaps you're understanding what I mean now about feeling like we're reading somebody's private letter. These are some pretty big, bold claims. 
But actually, these big bold claims are things that Paul repeats again and again to people. And uh, I think something that we can see in this writing is real humility. Real humility, but also sincerity, a sincere testimony to who he knows God to be and who he's encouraging us, you and me, to be in light of who Christ is. In fact, I think sometimes as Christians we get a little bit muddle-headed and we seem to think that we want to take some of what Jesus says, some of what the Bible says, and we want to let that influence our lives so that we are happier, more content, maybe even more Christ-like, rather than recognising what we're doing is putting our old self to death and choosing to follow Christ with all that we've got and all that we are. Basically, we're choosing to be all in on Jesus. And I think that's something that this, this story, this testimony speaks to. Paul is all in on Jesus. Let me explain why I think that is. Well, I'll not be able to see if you raise your hand at home, but do please still participate. Blossoms Care Home and Inton. By show of hands, who would say they're familiar with the person of Paul? Paul has a pretty cool backstory. You know, sometimes you have an experience, I don't know if you've had this experience, but occasionally churches will put on a great event and they'll get a Christian speaker to come in. And this person who comes in will have one of those amazing testimonies. Has anyone ever heard an amazing testimony? This might be another good opportunity to raise your hands or nod along and give me some nods in the room here in stone this morning. You know, one of those testimonies where you look at your testimony and you almost feel a little bit jealous of their testimony because you're like, wow, that was a cool story. <laughs> now, I've heard a few of these testimonies and actually I've learned to be content in my testimony because I know that that's God's gift to me, that's my story, that's who he's growing me into. But sometimes still you hear one of these stories and you just think, that is amazing. Like the grace of God is so much stronger, so much bigger, so much more powerful than I had ever understood, imagined or dared to hope, let alone believe it could be. Actually, sometimes this conversation comes up in discipleship groups. We say, well, is there anyone that God couldn't save if they turned to Jesus and they gave their lives to him? I remember growing up in, in church, I'm a church kid, and some of you are pretty well churched as well. Uh, I don't know if I could have gone and been a part of more church than I did growing up, frankly. And so when you're hanging out around church with your, your mates, sometimes people come up with ridiculous hypothetical scenarios. They start naming great people from history, both great for good things and great for bad things, you know, the kinds of people you learn about in history lessons in school and they say, well, what about this person? Could this person be saved? Or that person? And honestly, honestly, 
Paul has just said that he used to speak out against God, he used to blaspheme against Jesus. He was a persecutor. You know, people used to be terrified when they would hear that he was coming around the place because he was known for persecuting the Christians, actively working to see them killed, imprisoned, hurt, trying to eradicate those people. And so when he's boasting in this passage, not many people are as bad as me. This isn't just an amazing testimony to who God is. It's a lived reality that Paul knows probably better than many of us. I don't think many of us have got that testimony to share. In fact, looking around the room, I don't know if there's anyone in the room who can share that they used to blaspheme against Christ, that they persecuted Christians, and that they were an insolent opponent. You couldn't get much further away from Jesus than Paul. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, if ever you felt like you're a terrible sinner and you wonder, would Jesus love me? Could Jesus ever make use of a person like me? If ever you thought, I am the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, I've blotted my copybook and there's no coming back. Well, look at this testimony seriously. I don't think I've ever met a person Personally, I don't think I've ever met a person who could match Paul for a testimony of God's grace, God's forgiveness, and God's friendship. And so Paul talking about grace is remarkable. Actually, I think we grow complacent when we talk about grace. We make it sound cute and fuzzy, warm and comforting, as though it's a, a good thing for good days, high days and holidays. And actually, the grace of God is so much more than something warm and fuzzy. The grace of God is so much more than just good news for those who are kind of doing all right, but could be doing a bit better. It's the power of God, the power of the active power of God at work in our lives, that by the power of God, God's gift of grace to us, in God choosing us. Grace isn't just a, a nice thought, a good story to tell kids about at bedtime, or a reminder that they're still loved even when they've been a bit bratty, perhaps. And that goes for the adults as well, not that I'm picking on the kids this morning, we're all children in God's kingdom. Which should be good news for us because, well, that is us. I think sometimes preachers don't. You don't invite somebody over and then tell them things that you don't like about them. But I don't think that's what we're doing here. 
I think what we do when we acknowledge our sin nature, story actually, God's plan and purpose for our lives is that he would take us from where we are and have us better understand what it is to belong to him. One of the things I think we struggle with as Christians, some people struggle to believe that God is as good as he says he is, and I always think it's a huge breakthrough in our faith when we begin to understand who God is and recognise him for who he says he is. But an equally big breakthrough, I would say, is when we begin to recognise who we are, who we are, because of what God says about us. Now, I'm not trying to elevate us and consider us equal to God. That certainly isn't what I'm saying. But isn't it easier to believe what God says about himself than what he says about you all day? You know, when God calls us blessed, when God calls us holy, when God calls us loved and cherished and actually considers us worth dying for, isn't it easier to consider the goodness of God than it is to consider how much God loves us? I once heard somebody say, well, if God's the king of heaven and earth, then we must be princes and princesses in his kingdom. Because where there's a king, there are children, and where there are children, there are sons and daughters. And I thought, well, I really like this sermon, but that's made me feel a bit weird. <laughs> it's easier to accept who God says he is than who God says we are. And let's make it as simple as that. I'm not expecting anyone to come to church next week in a tiara. In fact, I would discourage you from doing so. There will be some teasing. <laughs> I will probably be one of the people doing the teasing. <laughs> but let's think about this seriously for a moment. If we are the children of God and he is the king of heaven and earth, isn't that amazing? God is adopting us into his family for his glory, for his purposes, for his goodness, but also for ours. And you know, Jesus came to save sinners. And the amazing thing about Jesus saving sinners is that Jesus saves sinners. But he isn't intent to leave us that way. He doesn't leave us just as sinners saved by grace. But he calls us into a relationship with him. And again, I think this is something that Paul can testify to. He's saying, I was the worst of the worst, and now I'm a leader in the church. I'm going around, I'm sharing about who God is, I'm sharing the good news, I'm encouraging people that they would recognize who Jesus is because of what Jesus has done in my life. It's pretty amazing. And actually, I think it's even more significant than that. You see, when we begin to ignore who God is calling us to be, we struggle to walk in his plan and his purpose for our lives. We struggle to fully see 
the glory and grace of God at work when we diminish the power of God in us. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is perhaps a little bit of a second level to what I'm trying to say this morning. But for you to really appreciate who God is, you need to get used to calling upon God's name, seeing Him working in your life, having a testimony to share, sharing that testimony, seeing it impact somebody else's life, recognizing Him at work in your life. I think it's so easy in the busyness of life to miss what God is doing. We just get so caught up in doing the next thing, preparing the kids' lunch, getting them out the door, putting the laundry on, cleaning the kitchen, hoovering, walking the dog, whatever it may be, life is full, isn't it? But every single one of us have that opportunity to see God at work in our lives because His grace is new every morning. You open the Word of God and something comes to life in a way that it hasn't done previously. But if you don't have any quiet time, if you don't open your Bible, how is the Word of God going to be illuminated for you? If you go charging out the door and you think, oh, I'm so busy in you, don't take a few minutes to pray to find God, to really center yourself, your day, your week, on His plan and His purpose. How easy is it to get to Wednesday and be desperate for him, rather than starting the week with him on Monday. You see, Paul has an amazing testimony, but every single one of us has a testimony. Just yesterday I was on Facebook and I saw somebody sharing a testimony that they got baptised a few years ago. On that day, five, six years ago here at church. What an amazing testimony. Every one of us has a testimony to share and our lives are full of people that need to hear those God stories. You don't have to run around with your Bible beating people up telling them where they've gone wrong, but instead, just as Paul does, simply explain how God is giving you to your life. You see, we're commissioned to go out into all the world and share this good news. To tell people that I received mercy, to recognize through humility those times we acted ignorantly, those times we acted out of unbelief, and those times that God, by His grace, Through faith and grace, we saw God Paul's commendation to us is that the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Christ came into the world to save people who are far from God. To raise them to life in Christ. Jesus came into the world to raise us to new life, that we might know God, that we might draw close to Him. 
and say, just as Paul did a pretty good job, you know, you've done a pretty good job sharing your testimony when a few thousand years later people are still talking about it. I'm not sure that's going to feel electric for all of us in church, because I think that's a pretty lofty standard, isn't it? But in being asked about how to feed the world, Mother Teresa said, well, I haven't got any plans to feed the world, but I have got this plan that I can feed one. And as we go around one by one, as we impact people one person at a time, as we recognise that good news is good news, even one person at a time. And in fact, I'd go so far to say that I think that's part of God's plan, that one person at a time, one by one, people would hear the good news of Jesus. And I know that huge festivals and stadiums are terribly exciting. And when you see or hear that someone's given their life to Jesus at some great big Christian event, that's wonderful. But I always question, what prep work has gone into that? Because, you know, the, the word says that one parts another waters and another reaps the harvest. And so for that one person to be there, who's been witnessing to them? Did they just book a ticket online randomly on some Tuesday night thinking, I wonder where I can go? Oh, there's a, a big event coming up. When great evangelists roll around parts of the world, Billy Graves, probably one of the most famous of all the, the big name evangelists. How did those people get there to give their lives to Jesus? How did they get there? Because I've heard time and again about people being taken by a friend, encouraged by somebody at work. A family member who went out of their way to explain the things to God. And you know, I think that's Paul's testimony to us. That's what he's doing for us here. He's saying, This is who I know God to be. And I know, church, this is something that we are called to do as well. And you might think, Well, I'm never going to be Billy Graham, I'm never going to be the Apostle Paul. And I would say to you, actually, no one's asking you to be. No one's asking you to be. You see, for us, it's really simple. Our lives are full of people who don't know about Jesus. And yes, there are times when you have to be very sensitive and very careful in the way you share. Some settings it might not be strictly appropriate to share, but what is it that you can say? What is it that would be helpful? How can you share your faith? How can you point somebody to Jesus? I was hearing somebody speak about adding value this week. They were saying this was a great way to lead people. If you want to lead people, you want to encourage them, you want to influence them. You want to serve them. And so I would just ask us, how are we serving 
those around us. So often we cover the world as though we're going to fix it. So often we cover the world as though we're going to seemingly by our own <laughs> our own saviour complex even step into a situation and help. How many times have we come at a problem as though we're Superman rather than sons and daughters of God? You see, we're called to serve people. We're not there to help them or to fix their problems, but to serve them, to point them towards Jesus, to help them understand who God is and why that matters in their life. And as they do that, as they understand who God is and why that matters, the transformational power of Christ begins to work in their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Boys and girls, let me talk to you for just a moment. I know we've got a room full of kids here this morning. And so young people, listen up for a minute. You know, you've got loads of friends. You're only going to make more friends. But many of your friends don't know who Jesus is. Just as Jesus is your friend, perhaps they don't know Jesus for themselves. How do you make a friend? How can you help your friends know who Jesus is? You might not have the most amazing collection of testimonies. You've not been alive as long as some of the people with the best testimonies. But what is your testimony? What is true? What do you know about Jesus? Because Jesus encourages us that we need to have a childlike faith. What do you know about Jesus? If you were going to tell someone about Jesus, what could you tell them? I'm wrapping up here, but let me just say, you know, Paul says a few different ways, a few different places. It isn't about wise and persuasive words. It isn't just about instruction, but it's about God's gift of grace to us. Yes, we have that explained, but it's also about accepting that gift. Church, the pressure's off. We can't make someone accept a gift. If you give them a gift and they leave it wrapped up, that's not your fault. If they leave it in the box and they put it on the shelf and they think, that's a lovely gift. You've done your part. You see, our testimony is about encouraging others, encouraging one another, and sharing our stories of faith and hope. Do you know one another's stories? Have you heard how one another have come to faith? There is some great testimony, great encouragement that is a part of your life that you have as a gift to share with others. Paul says he is the foremost among the sinners saved. But our identity in Christ doesn't stop there. 
Paul's identity in Christ isn't just that he's a sinner saved by grace. And as we see him writing these letters, and he writes quite a few, they make up a good chunk of our Bible. I don't know if you've noticed. But he's writing these things and these encouragements to us, these encouragements that we can read. I think are a great example of how to share our faith. Who can you encourage? Who can you bring? I'm going to pray for us. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that the way that you lead us is by encouragement, by grace. We thank you that you're so gentle with us, so kind and compassionate to us. Father, how often when someone does wrong to us do we want to repay evil with evil? But we thank you, you who are holy, we thank you that your example to us is grace. We thank you that we can love you because you first loved us. And we thank you that from the youngest to the oldest, our testimony is Christ crucified. But our story of hope of your goodness is never finished. And so as we get to share about who you are and why that matters, we praise your name. We thank you that all your ways are good. We thank you that as we seek first your kingdom, as we trust in your goodness, as we hope in your promises, we thank you that you're not content to leave us as we are. But you're making all things new. All this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.